Well, it's good to be with all of you. And um, looking forward to jumping into the series on prayer. Uh, this is a... Um, the series I wish I'd started with the Lord's Prayer, um, the one that Jesus taught his disciples to pray the Our Father. That would have seemed to be an obvious starting point that I didn't put together until uh, this morning, <laughs> actually yesterday, last night. Um, and uh, But the um, where we're going to start <clears throat> is um, a good place to begin on um, sort of the ideas of the different ways we conceive of prayer. So one of the ways we conceive of prayer is things like asking, right? So that's a common one is asking God for something. What's another thought that comes to your mind when you think of prayer? <clears throat> you can put it in the chat too as well. What do you think of when you think of prayer? The purpose of prayer, the point of prayer? Thanking. Say again? Thanking. Okay. Thanking. Yes. So thankfulness, thanking God for for things, yeah. Jackie also put in Thanksgiving as well. Uh, place, of peace. place of peace, excellent. We'll be talking about that this morning. Um, and uh, someone else put intercession. Jim said repenting. <laughs> um, place to share your feelings without venting to others. Place to share your feelings without venting to others. <laughs> That's great. Uh, talk to God like he's a friend, Lisa says. God help. <laughs> That's Jackie. I uh, love that. Help in all caps. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. Anything else? <clears throat> Ooh, okay. Getting closer to where um, I'd like to uh, I'd like to actually counterbalance the sort of awareness piece or, and we'll dive a little bit more deeply into that with, um, with asking, uh, because in the passage we're going to look at this morning, um, Paul actually separates out two things. He says there's prayer and then there's, there's supplication or petition. That's an old word for saying asking, you know? Um, so there's those two things <clears throat> that's involved in prayer. So awareness, what, what comes to your mind when you think, when you say awareness, when I pray, it helps me become even more aware of what I have and what I'm thankful for and what I need. Yeah. What, what's going on for me? So there's a, an internal sort of shift in you, <clears throat> maybe a perspective shift. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Really good. Um. Yeah, so Deb, you said Holy Spirit opening your eyes. Absolutely. This is huge. So these are the, uh, all right, so let's just dive in because this is like right on track with where we're going this morning. So Philippians chapter four, uh, the Apostle Paul um, says, once I find it, of course, Zoom messes things up all the time, moves things around on me. Uh, there we are. <clears throat> so Philippians chapter four so this is the Apostle Paul. I think this is one of what's called his prison letters or when he's in prison, he's writing. And um, <clears throat> just a little bit of a background. <clears throat> Paul is not writing as one who just. So think of the way we think about Scripture. Oftentimes we think about Scripture, depending upon your, your background, as <clears throat> if you're a Christian, you believe that Paul had this sort of like 
tunnel communication. God communicates and descends the information right to Paul and Paul writes. So in other words, free of any sort of context, free of anything else, just it's like perfect. It comes down and descends from heaven. Um, most most uh, biblical scholars don't actually think that that's how it works. And I certainly don't. Um, Paul, when he writes things, he is taking a lot from Stoic philosophers around him of his day. So Stoicism has kind of had a rebound in popularity. There's even like Stoic thoughts for every day and stuff like that. That's become fairly popular in America. Um, but Stoicism had this angle on peace, talked a lot about peace, peace of mind. Seneca, and there's a lot of suspicions that Seneca and Paul were actually friends. They communicated to each other. It would make a lot of sense because Seneca actually talks about having peace of mind. Now, in this morning, what we're going to look at is Philippians chapter four. Paul is saying, here's how to have peace of mind. So they're having this conversation, basically, um, whether Paul was actually friends with him or not. There is this um, idea that people already in those days were seeking peace from the of mind because of so many factors, including um, just an overall sense of anxiety. Um, Seneca is a Stoic philosopher. Thank you. So, um, so, uh, so, so, what's happening is in the ancient world, things were not as we think of today as being kind of upsetting and anxiety-producing, particularly. 2020, uh, you know, was, was that way for a lot of us. Um, but in the, in the ancient world, think of that as, as uh, a, probably a thousandfold in terms of what could go wrong in your life. The average lifespan was short. People lived to 40. That's, you were an old man if you lived to 40. You were an old woman if you lived to 40. Um, and the uh, the child inf- the infant mortality rate was enormously high. That's why people had many kids because they counted on it. They knew chances are good. Two or three of my children are going to die. And if I can keep producing, then maybe I'll have some. So you kind of steal yourself to, to facing tragedy constantly. Famines were common. Famines would come in, wipe out a lot of people, disease no cures, just you would die. Um, And so you had a lot of these things. Natural disasters were frequent. And so what they did is they had this pantheon of gods that they believed, now you're thinking again, ancient world, that that sort of ran these different areas. So disease, health, uh, never mind having enough to survive, like food, you're, 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 you're planting and you're hoping you get a crop but some years you don't, some years are bad. So what do you do? You pray to these gods. These gods are the ones that provide this for you, but they don't always do that. And so you had these priests that would tell you the reason why it's because you didn't offer the right kind of sacrifice. You needed to offer more. So they would offer more sacrifices and hope for this. That's how they dealt with anxiety. They dealt with anxiety by saying, we have to celebrate and perform these festivals for these deities so that they, they don't send famine. They don't send disease. They make sure that we have enough food, that our crops, you know, that our kids survive, all this other stuff that's happening, right? So Paul, in light of all of that, recognizes this is a constant theme for all of us. Um, We're going to have anxieties. We're going to have these concerns uh, for ourselves. And so in Philippians 4, um, I'm going to jump down to uh, verse 6. 
I would love to do this whole thing on verse four, but if I do, we're going to be here for another hour um, because verse four is like brilliant. It's magic what he writes in here. Um, and it works for today amazingly well. So, but verse six, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer. And um, so in, I think I still had it in the end. Yeah. So I'm going to switch back to the, to the new international version, the NIV. And, and in the um, new, new American standard, it's supplication, but it's the same word for petition. So it's the asking. So by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God and the peace of God, which surpasses, some translations have it as transcends all understanding, comprehension, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Um, so let's break this apart a little bit. Um, in verse six, be anxious for nothing. What do you think that, how helpful is that really to you and me? Absolutely not. <laughs> Have you ever had people say, don't worry? And you're like, yeah, that's helpful. Um, unless they follow that up with some good news <laughs> in which it's like, okay, good. That, that feels better. But the whole thing of don't be anxious is absolutely useless. Why? In the world, would you, Paul, say, be anxious for nothing? That's annoying. Um, except that if what he is saying is don't be anxious about anything and then follows it up with why you can choose a different path. What I would suggest is I don't think Paul is speaking about the emotional feeling of anxiety. Let's think about anxiety from two sort of regions. One is your feeling of anxiety, a sort of sense that something's unsafe, that there's a problem with the situation, that, you know, forecasting the future is terrifying. And whatever's happening, you, you will feel it emotionally. Don't think Paul is saying change your emotional state, because I don't think that's possible. Um, not by trying to change it. <laughs> there is a way to change it, but not by trying to change it. Um, but what I think he's saying is that in your thinking, don't be anxious, because the thinking part and this would stay in line with Paul's, I believe, taking from Stoic philosophers who are also saying similar things like the problem is one thing, but then what you do with it. <laughs> so, so I think it's Epictetus, um, who was a slave actually and became a, 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 a very, very well-known um, Stoic, says it's not the problem. It's what you interpret the problem to be that makes it really bad. <laughs> I think, yes, absolutely. Right. So Paul is saying something very similar. The problem isn't the problem itself. You look at a problem and you, that's, that's anxiety provoking, but it's not all the interpretations, all the thoughts you have around it that actually increase it. And so I think that's where he's going when he says, don't be anxious about anything, but instead he says, do this, uh, be and uh, everything by prayer and asking God for things, prayer and as if they're two different things. So think about that for a moment. Why would Paul not just simply cut to the chase and said, just ask God for stuff and God will give it to you. But that's actually not what he says. He says by prayer and by asking. So prayer is a bigger thing than asking, right? So I think prayer is more of the sort of umbrella under which there are different components of prayer, different ways of praying. One of them is asking for something. But I think prayer is, my definition of it is unbroken connection with God or the divine or spirit, source, life, goodness, 
that kind of thing. It's unbroken connection to something greater than ourselves. When we have that sense of unbroken connection to God, and you know what that is like for those of you who've had those moments of unbroken connection with God, there's something deeply settling about that. There is something deeply restful. The circumstances themselves have not changed, but you, your internal space has changed. Right, this is what Jessica and some others of you were saying. is like there's an awareness, there's an eye opening, there's a perspective change. We're trying to put language to something that's really difficult to put language to, but there's a dispositional change internally. We feel different, even if the circumstances are the same. So when he says by prayer and then asking, I think he's speaking about prayer as in this. That's why he also, Paul also says elsewhere, pray continually. I don't think he means constantly be going, God, please help me. Hey, help me find a great parking space. Uh, Dunkin' Donuts line is really long. Could you make it go quicker because I'm late for my appointment? I mean, I don't think that's the litany of prayer requests Paul is, has in mind when he's saying pray always. I don't think that that would help you to be engaged very much in life. Um, it's much more of stay in that constant flow and in connection. Right? We know this relationally when you feel those moments with your significant other, with somebody you care about, a friend where you have this unbroken connection and it feels really, really wonderful. And then other times where no matter how close physically proximity you two are, you couldn't be further apart. You know what I'm talking about, right? That idea is that, let's, let's, let's use that as prayer. In that sense of, I can be so close to you and yet so distant from you. There's this complication in communication between you and this other person. But when the connection's there, the communication flows almost without words. You see what I mean? I think that's what he means by prayer. It's this connection with God where you know when you're that close, it's an unbroken free flow of like, I feel, I feel present. I feel connected. And other times where that's not the case. It's also part of our journey. And there's stretching points. So um, so prayer, I think that's what prayer is. And we'll be looking more at prayer as we go on, but I think that's a big part of it. But then he says, and with supplication, right? So with asking, but then he adds with Thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. Why do you suppose, I know you know the answer. Why do you suppose Thanksgiving is important when you go and you start listing your needs to God? Folks, Zoom land, please Join in the chat, put stuff in the chat here as well. Why do you suppose Thanksgiving is important? Come on, you know the answer, folks. You've been at this for a little bit. It catapults us to faith. Okay, peace. Yeah, appreciation. Yeah, it refocuses us. Absolutely. What else? Well, it builds on what God has already done, not starting from a place of lack. Ooh, bam. That's a good mic drop right there. So Jim said it starts us from a place of, of course, I'm going to say it differently, place, but building from a place of what God has already done. What God has already done. Not starting from a place of lack. Not starting from a place of lack. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. That's. Yeah. 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 Yeah, absolutely. 
Uh, oh yeah, it, it absolutely does that. It changes your, it makes you, it, it reorients you to like, right, we've, we've gone through this before. We've, we can do this again. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So all of those things, I'm not going to add to that because I think that's really well said. Um, so, so that's the case. All right. So let me, let me get real here. Most prayers don't get answered um, in the way we would like them to get answered. <laughs> Let's just acknowledge that. I mean, I, I hate that Christians can't say that. It's like, just pray, pray. And we're like, yeah, but my prayer didn't get answered. And then, and then there's this like reaction, like defensiveness and protectiveness of God. You don't need to protect God. <laughs> and we don't need to protect Christianity or anything else. In fact, the more real that we become, the more we actually find God. It's the more that we try to protect God and protect our faith and protect it that we lose it. <clears throat> so it, we can just relax into this. The truth is that a lot of our prayers don't get answered the way we want them to get answered. And so that's what causes us sometimes to say, well, what's the point then? Well, we can get there, right? But that's, again, I think the reason why Paul says, remember prayer. Prayer is about this connection. It's not necessarily about getting everything you want because what he does is as he moves on, he then gets to this, um, to the real punchline, I think, of, of the prayer, the point of, of what he's, why he's saying what he's saying. But he says, listen, let your request be made known unto God. And verse seven doesn't say, and then God will give you everything you ask. But verse seven says, in the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. You see what's happening there? It we have this thinker and this thinker does a lot of stinking things. It thinks stinking things. It's like, I'm, I want this and this is how it should go. And this is how my life should be. And that's actually what causes us a lack of peace. When the truth about it is it isn't the amount of control you have over your life that will give you peace. It's quite the contrary. It's the amount of surrender. Control, it's not the amount of control that you have over your life that gives you peace. It's the amount of surrender. And that's when you'll know this to be true when you've, when you experience it and you have experienced it, but when you recall those moments, so those moments when you finally relinquish control and you give up in a sense. It's what I think Jesus means with his all paradoxical, really like mind-blowing sayings. Like it's, you know, it's when you lose your life that you find it. It's like, do you think anybody understood that? <laughs> People walked away from that going, what the, you know, is that all about? That was a royal waste of time listening to that teaching, you know, and they go back to their lives, but it's not until they have profound loss, profound pain. And they finally say, I give up control. I release myself, but then this sense, overwhelming sense of times of peace just comes over you and you just say, I'm good. I'm good. I'm really good. And that's what Paul, I believe, means when he says the peace that passes all understanding, all comprehension will guard your hearts and mind. And I love the word because it's, it's a military word. And of course, Paul would have thought of that because Rome was a military power, you know, and that's all they saw around them were like military guard, you know, all the time. You think we have a lot of police. They had, a, they had, they had uh, military everywhere. And these guys were brutal. 
And so, um, but they were fierce. And the, the, uh, the, the uh, idea of Roman or the, uh, the idea of the Roman guard or the Roman legion is their training was so advanced from all others that even though they themselves could not beat one-on-one, could not beat, say, um, another tribe, and men, and they were they were the the Celtics the the um, what became known as the uh, as of course Ireland but the, the Celtics back then they were capable one on one they were strong they were brutal 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 force um, and they could take one on one they could take in a Roman soldier out but the reason why they couldn't defeat Rome was because when the legion fought together they knew how to fight together in a way that would defeat any other force. And that's why they consistently won up until they finally uh, ended up fraying at the edges in the late 400s, uh, 500s. But what happened is Paul, so what, what Paul does is he takes that concept of the military guard that was so powerful and, de- and nothing could break through that, that the, uh, their, their forces, their defenses. Um, in fact, the way they fought was actually clever because they, they developed this new way of fighting that they could punch through like a spear, punch through any force, um, and and also in a defensive standpoint, um, keep themselves protected. So Paul has that in mind when he says, "And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard, will act as a military force around your heart and protect it." Um, and that's the experience we have when we finally say, "All right, I've given my prayers to God, my connection to God." I've asked, and I've done so with recognizing that God has already done amazing things in my life that I have learned more, that actually many times when I asked for something, it wasn't the answer that I got or the, the, the answer to the specific prayer that I was asking for. It was something else that came into my life that caused me to see differently, to understand differently, to feel differently, and that that's what actually protected me, that guarded me, that created this peace that I never would have imagined would come in. Um, and that is, I think, what Paul means by in all things, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, letting our requests be made known unto God. And yes, we can't be too smart and say, well, then therefore I'm not going to ask for anything and just wait for God to do something, you know, and no, 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 you have to ask. You have to, you have to be the dummy and you have to say, God. I don't know what else to ask for, but this is my prayer. I'm probably asking for the wrong thing. I'm probably, but that doesn't matter. I'm still asking. As long as we ask with connection being our primary source, our primary purpose, I should say, connection to God, not getting a particular answer. That's so important. Let me go back to relationship and, and illustrate this. If our primary purpose in relationship Think about romantic relationships. If our primary purpose in a romantic relationship is what you can give to me, that relationship will not last. If the primary purpose in a relationship, romantic relationship is connection, connection with the other person, then it will last. There is a side, um, so I've been nerding out on left side, right side, hemisphere, brain stuff. So Ian McGilchrist, anybody wants to master in his emissary, brilliant stuff. Um, but the left hemisphere, he argues, is the grasping hemisphere. It wants to grasp at things. It wants to reduce things to things it can control and know. The right hemisphere pursues more connection 
and is okay with not having absolutes or reducible things. It doesn't grasp. It holds. It holds loosely. It holds open-handedly. I think that's true of all of us. I think I find those two to be working in me at all times. It's the grasping at wanting something. And then I feel like I can have relationship. If you meet my need, then if God, if you meet my need, then I'm good with you, you know? And I think Paul has the right order by prayer, unbroken connection, then petition, asking God, knowing that that may not be, and that may not happen. But if my primary desire is ultimate connection with God, then I can go through anything. Then I can deal with life. Then the peace of God will be present to me. But it's when I'm grasping and trying to get something from God to then say, then my relationship, it's like, it's like God's always having to work to earn my, my trust. <laughs> it's, it's like if, if God can meet my need, then, okay, we're good. I trust. Okay. My, okay. Yes. Once again, I have faith in God, but when God doesn't, then it's like, Oh, I don't have any, I don't believe in any of that stuff anymore. You know what I mean? Yeah, Jessica. This is all like helping me understand my father's advice that he always gives me, which is gray on it. And I can't really embrace sometimes when it comes to that. Especially in like my profession where I listen to patients of different cultures say like they were raised with their mental health issues being ignored yeah. by their parents. Yeah. And their parents are telling them to pray. Yeah. Which is like inappropriate. You know, there's more. Absolutely. But yeah. I think just by connecting us, like it's not about getting something from God or getting the answer from God, but being able to take that time to tune in and feel, at least for me, a more grow a more sense of control and like empowerment to make those changes come from praying on it. Yeah. Well, okay, so excellent. <laughs> I wish I could repeat everything Jessica just say said, but I'm gonna lose my track here, my sent my where I because I think what you're saying is really, really, really important. So two things I want to remember this. One is what you what you said about um, being told to pray on it and how some cultures have a, and I run into this all the time in my coaching practice, uh, you know, all the time. So children of immigrants, like they'll talk about like, oh yeah, we didn't deal with anything mental illness wise and, you know, and how looked down on it, it is still looked down on. And so one of them is struggling with depression and her parents are like, you shouldn't have that. And they're Christian on top of that. So they're like, you should pray and, and you'd be fine. And, um, but there's something to that whole thing of prayer, nonetheless. And this is where I think many cultures and many of us get these things confused because there's something to the prayer. Like what happens in prayer? Yes, I have had experiences of deep connection, right? But, and, but then there's also times where we've actually had answers to prayer and those have been really wonderful. But I think we can convolute that and someone who has a problem or an illness or something is just just go pray on it as, as if like those two things are inseparable. Like you will get an answer from God if you do and you'll have connection. And I don't think we've articulated that in our minds, that those are, those are two components that are always taking place in prayer. One is the connection and one is a hope for an answer to prayer. But if we can hold the hope for an answer to prayer as second to the connection and making the connection primary, then I think we can hold on to prayer and not discard prayer because the prayer didn't get answered. And this is what happens with people all the time who have left church, faith, and all that. 
And I have no, I don't blame them at all. Like I get it. Like you've had something profoundly tragic happen to you. You prayed on it. God did absolutely nothing. What kind of God exists that would do that or doesn't care about the starvation and, you know, in, in, in places in Africa and, or, or the, the genocides that are taking place, what kind of God doesn't care about those things? So yes, we can lose our faith around that when we see those things, but then we also lose connection. And many people will admit later on, I lost more than I intended to lose because I feel drastically alone and I, and, and I don't have any answer for that. And I think if we can hold the second, which is the answer to prayer loosely as I don't know, and I'm okay with not knowing, but I still must ask, but connection is primary. And that's what I'm seeking in prayer is connection with the divine. Then I think that will carry us further. Um, And I think to the second part, which I'm going to get to in a different sermon, so I won't preach it now. But it's the co-creation. It's the co-creation with God. So let's stay tuned to that because it's not just like I sit back and I go pray and God does everything. Absolutely not. In fact, I think the vast, the larger percentages, if there is a percentage, is that God ends up saying, you're part of the, you're the answer. You're co-creating the answer with me. So get to work. I think that's a big part of it that we're missing, but we'll get to that. So um, yeah, let me just take a look real quick and then hand it over to Jim. I just want to see if there's anything here uh, on Zoom. Yeah, God knows better. Can you sum up what is said? Hard to hear. Yeah. Um, so basically that's the, that was, hopefully that, that helped you, uh, Deb, get a sense of what, um, what comment Jessica made. So anyways, off to Jim for worship.